you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Erin Addison's here on American Family Radio. And this is Wednesdays with Will. And I'm Will Addison. I'm glad that you are with me today. Uh, before I get started, I have a few announcements. First, if you want to email us, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net. That's addisons, A-D-D-I-S-O-N-S, at AFR.net. The Marriage Family Life Conference is July 7th to the 9th, but registration is closed. That's it. And so uh, if you're registered, I hope to see you uh, there. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, I'm just looking forward to God doing a, a lot of things there, ministering to our families, to our children. And so if you would pray with me, and if you're not coming, if you would pray that God will move in a mighty way, uh, I, I would really appreciate that. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. And so if you would commit to pray for this conference and for the speakers and for everything that will happen, you know, man, we would really, really appreciate that. So if you have registered and you will be there, I look forward to shaking your hand. Uh, You know, I look forward to meeting you. It's always a great atmosphere, a family type atmosphere. And I I expect the same uh, this year. So that's the Marriage Family Life Conference, July 7th to the 9th. You can also follow us on Facebook and on YouTube. Just search Airing the Addisons, Airing the Addisons, A-I-R-I-N-G, the Addisons. I know sometimes my, my little accent, my New Orleans <laughs> accent, people don't understand what I'm saying. So it's Airing the Addisons. You can watch the broadcast live if you would like to do that as well. And also make sure you visit the By Design Facebook page. Also the uh, By Design webpage. Um, at afa.net slash by design. You can look us up on Facebook as well. Just search for by design. Man, so today uh, I, I kind of want to pick up uh, a little bit of where we left off yesterday. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, but I don't want to just harp on that particular uh, uh, group. Uh, I think there is a, a problem across the board. But as we've uh, been seeing in the recent days, the fallout from what, uh, what's been going on with the SBC, we have a problem in a professing church. We have a, we have a problem. You know, a lot of times uh, when these issues arise, people like to say, and some of this is true, uh, they'll try to say, well, I don't know if those people are Christians, like real Christians anyway. Look, uh, there's a lot of these people who are professing Christians who have put their faith in Christ but there are things that have not happened. And so we see the fallout that we see. We talked about yesterday, church discipline. There are things that should not be covered up. You know, the celebrity nature of, of you know, being a pastor at times. And it's just, it's amazing to see the things that are happening right before our eyes. But this uh, did not just come out 
you know, just yesterday or last week. These things have been happening. I remember growing up and hearing in the church, oh, you know, that 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 little boy over there, that's that's Deacon's son. Don't he look just like him? But Deacon married to like another lady. So like these things have been going on. And I think what's happening, a lot of stuff is is manifesting now. These things have, have been happening, but a lot of things are manifesting now. You know, even when we talk about the educational system and what's going on with the schools, man, that stuff has been going on. People have been trying to indoctrinate our children for a long time. A lot of things are manifesting now. They have found the right ingredients, the right time to be able to come out and say this is what's going on and to be bold about it. They have found an atmosphere where, you know, uh, 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 the gospel has not been preached like it should, or the general public is a lot more worldly. That's a that's a term you don't hear anymore. The old folks used to say, "Man, stop acting worldly. <laughs> you acting worldly. You know that that meant you were being carnal. You know you were acting as if you are of this world. But when you have an environment like that, even in a church where there's a lot of worldliness, man." So wickedness has found even greater footing to where they can be pretty bold about the things that they are doing. But we talked about what was going on in SBC. And I just want to um, jump back to that for a moment. I want to play that clip that we played yesterday. And it kind of talks about what's going on because there was a lot of hiding of information, trying to like uh, 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 not let this stuff get out so that there wouldn't be lawsuits and different things But man, we are called to holiness. We are called to holiness. We're not supposed to cover sin. We're not supposed to do that. And man, you know, I'm talking about this today. And as I was uh, praying about this and and thinking about this, I was like, man, this is a sobering topic. Number one, because I function as a minister. I function as, as a minister in my local assembly. And so I'm not talking about this stuff in a way that is like, oh, those folks, these people, those people. Look, I, I have a sober mindset about this. But also God has delivered me from things in my past. I've talked about it on the show. I've talked about being delivered from pornography. I've talked about that, being delivered from these things. And so I'm, I have a sober mindset about what's going on. As we see this stuff unfold, we have a problem within the church. We have a problem. And a lot of times we don't want to fess up. We don't want to just say, man, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is the real deal. But this is what's going on. But there was a, um, a report from the Morning Wire, and it and was talking about what was going on in SBC and some of the things, some of the ways that they were trying to like kind of hide what was happening. I want to listen to that clip. We played it yesterday, but I want to uh, play it again. The firm hired by the SBC task force was charged with investigating how its executive committee members handled abuse claims over a period of about 20 years. It wasn't to provide a full investigation into the veracity of those claims. So with that narrow focus, the investigation found that the committee, and I'm just going to quote here, singularly focused on avoiding liability for the SBC to the exclusion of other considerations. In a nutshell, what it found was that leaders deferred to lawyers' advice to not respond to claims of abuse in order to protect the denomination from lawsuits. 
The investigators also said the executive committee kept a secret list of pastors and church staff suspected of being abusers, but didn't act on it. And it found that one former SBC president has been credibly accused of sexually assaulting another pastor's wife. Now, that said, the committee members say the list was only a collection of already identified abusers, and they had collated that list from newspaper reports. So they say it wasn't something secret. It was already in the public domain. And the accused former president claims that that sexual encounter he had with another pastor's wife was consensual. Okay. So they were trying to not let this stuff get out and they were not dealing properly with this. And in some situations, there was nothing that happened. And so you have uh, someone who did something wrong, who just went to another congregation, you know, and they may be pastoring or leading somewhere else. Man, this is egregious. This is egregious to the Lord. But again, like I said before, I don't want to harp just on the SBC, because I believe that if this type of investigation was done into other major denominations and even small ones, you would have some of the same results happening. I, I really believe that because there's a problem. You know, in Isaiah chapter uh, 1, verse 5 uh, through 6, it says, Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. The whole head is sick. And that's the picture that I get when I look at the church. Because, again, you can do this type of investigation throughout denominations, and I promise you, you're going to have some of the same results. And it's amazing because, you know, the Catholic Church for a long time was the whipping boy by Protestant denominations and, and churches for sexual abuse. And they would always say, man, you guys, and this is scriptural. You, you need to get married. Like, you shouldn't forbid to marry. This is causing problems. And that's true. Because part of the doctrine of demons that Paul talked about was forbidding to marry. <laughs> but then you have right now what's going on and being seen in, in, in a lot of these Protestant denominations is the same stuff. And they're permitted to marry. <laughs> what's the excuse there? The whole head is sick. Now, am I endorsing, you know, certain doctrine and stuff? No, what I'm saying, I'm making a comparison that across the board, you have this stuff happening. You have it happening. And so the Lord had been leading me, and I shared this before, to read and study the book of Jeremiah. So, and for a second time, he brought me back to Jeremiah. I had been looking at Daniel. And so there's, there's Jeremiah, there's Daniel, there's Ezekiel, right? But from the Lord's leading, you know, Jeremiah is a prophet. And he was telling Judah for over 40 years, Look, you're going to be taken captive. And I've talked about this many times. You're going to be taken captive that Nebuchadnezzar is coming. Get, get yourself in order because man, it's, he's coming. This is the judgment of God. And so, like I said, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, they were contemporaries. Um, but, but they were in three separate places. You had 
Daniel, he was taken in, in, to, in Babylon, taken to Babylon in, in the siege, the first siege. He served like in the palace, right? You had Ezekiel. He was taken in the following siege um, and was a priest, but God called, then called him as a prophet to the exiles by the rivers in Babylon. So you had Ezekiel there prophesying under the power of God. And then you had Jeremiah who ended up with the, he was in Judah. He ended up with the remnant in Egypt, right? And there is a, a common feature. And this is what I want to talk about today. There is a common feature that stuck out to me in my reading and my studying of Jeremiah and also in Ezekiel. And this was the corruption of the shepherds, the priests, and the prophets. There was corruption within the, the, the offices of the, the shepherds, the priests, and the prophets. These were the ones who were set aside to lead the people in the things of God and esteem God as holy before the people. But they were the main ones God was rebuking because of their lack of holiness. And I think when we look out today and we see what's going on, there's corruption within these same entities, the shepherds, the priests, the prophets. When you look at what's going on in the denominations with this list from the SBC and others, that's corruption. That's something that's going on that has to be addressed. And it's corruption within the shepherds, the priests, and the prophets. And there's, there's, there's a couple of scriptures I want to look at. One is in Ezekiel, and the other is in uh, Jeremiah. And then we have some others. But, man, this stuff that is happening, there, ha there have to be accountability. There have to be church discipline. Because like I said yesterday, the pastor or the leader within the church is part of the body of Christ. He is not separate from everybody else at a higher place. He is part of the body. He needs to be held accountable. There should be a plurality of elders. There should be deacons and other leaders that can speak and say, we see this in your life before it, it gets to a point where it will be exposed. Those things will be exposed. And I pray that that would be something that would be highlighted because of these issues. That if those things are not in place, that every pastor, every leader, every minister would say, man, I'm going to take it personally that I need to have accountability in my life, that I'm not rogue out here just doing my own thing. Because I'm not only hurting myself and the people, but I'm causing the name of God to be blasphemed. This is Aaron Addison's. We'll be back right after this. Troubled yet not distressed, perplexed but not in despair, cause I'm a vessel full of power with a treasure. None can compare Persecuted But not forsaken Cast down 
Addison's here on American Family Radio. This is Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison, and that's Micah Stampley with Corinthian Song. Uh, today we're talking about corrupt shepherds, priests, and prophets. And like I said before, in discussing this, there's a soberness uh, that I have uh, because, you know, I'm not on here to bash or to say this or that. I'm just trying to speak the truth the truth from God's word, that we have a problem, that we have to address these things in the, in, in the right way. Like there has, there has to be accountability and there has to be church discipline. We can't try to cover over sin so that we don't have lawsuits and, you know, people don't get embarrassed. And like, man, if we are standing for the holiness of God, it has to be addressed appropriately. And a lot of times it's not. These things are happening you know, and not only, like I said, in the SBC, but if you across the board, if you would do investigations in denominations, big or small, you would have some of the same stuff going on. Some of this same stuff and other things. You know, we don't like to talk about the rampant fornication within the church. That people can come and sit down within the pews of the church. But living a lifestyle as if they are married and they're not they're having sex outside of marriage let's not even talk about our thought life what's going on with us in our thoughts this is this is something like god's holiness his holiness is of the the most utmost importance that we are holy as he is holy and so these these issues within the church we have to understand that there's a direct link between the weakness that we see in the body of Christ and this sin. And, and I want to say especially the sin of sexual immorality. Man, that is wreaking havoc upon the church. And a lot of times it's because there is no discipleship. There's no walking alongside brothers and sisters and saying, man, how are you doing right here? Like, what have you been looking at? Are you okay? Like, let's talk. Let's be real. I'm, I'm talking about real accountability. Not just giving an ear to someone so you can kind of, you know, hear what they're saying and say, oh, you know, yeah, man, we all. No, 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 no. There's a standard. There's a standard. And it's and God has laid out the standard. But if, we, if, if it's not, you know, something that we hold on to and say, man, this is important. Like, we have these things happening. Because we're not drilling down on God's word and saying, this is the standard right here. This is what he has said, and this is what we must abide by. In Ezekiel chapter um, 34, starting at verse 1, and like I said, Ezekiel uh, was a priest, but God called him to be a prophet. He was um, there in Babylon uh, among the people. It says, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, this is what the Lord God says. Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should the shepherds not feed the flock? 
You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you searched for the lost. But with force and with violence, you have dominated them. They scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every animal of the field and scattered. My flock strayed through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, certainly because my flock has become plunder and my flock has become food for all the animals of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Behold, I am against the shepherds and I will demand my sheep from them and make them stop tending sheep so that the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore. But I will save my sheep from their mouth so that they would not be food for them. This is an indictment upon those shepherds. And as we know, and I'm, and I'm speaking in terms of shepherds and priests and prophets that have been placed here to feed the people the word of God. Even as Jesus told Peter, and asked him, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Pastors, the word of God has to be the priority. Not anything like your, your building fund or, you know, what you have or how this or that. It has to be the word of God. It has to be a priority to disciple the people who are under your care. We have to do it. The word has to be preached. And if there are things that are happening in the congregation, you can't just turn a blind eye and say, oh, well, you know, that's that's sad. But I don't want to mess up the giving. I don't want to mess up what we have here. No. We have to preach the word. As Paul told uh, Timothy, preach the word. We have to act like a man, act like men. Some of the things you have to address are going to be hard things. But the charge has been given to the shepherds to take care of the people that God has placed in, in your care. And as it concerns these issues of sexual immorality, we can't be the ones that are sitting by while things are going on in the congregations. But first of all, as pastors, as ministers, as shepherds, we have to make sure that our lives are lining up with the word of God. A lot of the times, the reason these things go unaddressed is because the pastor or the shepherd may be indulging in those same things that they are supposed to be preaching the standard of, of God against. It's hard to preach against something that you're doing. It's hard, and you won't do it. And you probably shouldn't. Don't be a hypocrite. But we have to get right, be right. To be able to, to feed God's people the word of God. 
But then we have in Jeremiah chapter 23. Now, it's amazing because both of these uh, individuals, they were speaking to the same people in different areas. Same thing was going on. But the common thing was God had a rebuke for the shepherds and for the prophets and the, and the priests because they were the ones that were supposed to keep God's law before the people, to esteem God as holy before the people. And they were not doing it. Matter of fact, they were trying to get, you know, things for themselves. They were greedy for their own gain. And God was not pleased with this. Jeremiah chapter 23, it says, Woe to the shepherds who are causing the sheep of my pasture to perish and are scattering them, declares the Lord. You know, it's a similar word that he gave to Ezekiel. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the shepherds who are attending my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not been concerned about them. Behold, I am going to call you to account for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. It's, it's, the, it's, it's like a similar word. He's speaking through Ezekiel. He's speaking through Jeremiah. <laughs> so this had to be something, you know, they were in two different locations. But where they were, this needed to be said. This has to be said in America. This has to be said today in America. To those who are filling the pulpit. Those who are ministering in different ways. There has to be have to be an evaluation of the work that we're doing. So Jeremiah says, then I myself, this is the word of the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the, the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them and they will not be afraid any longer nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. That brings another point. There are some people, some, some individuals who are pastoring that should not be pastoring. You know, pastoring has been a call that has been glamorized, and so everybody feels like they should be a pastor a lot of times. And some people run away from it, but there's a lot of people who look at that as being it. Well, maybe you're an administrator, and maybe you're, you are maybe just a teacher. You're a teacher. But you're filling the role of pastor, and you're not pastoring the people. It's more than just teaching. Pastoring is a whole other thing. And so I think because that has been glamorized in some ways, and we have these celebrity pastors and things like that, people, there's people who are in the church that aspire to that that are not called to be that. And so when you're in a place where you're not called to be, Man, there's abuse that can happen there. You're out of place. Let me continue to read. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely, do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will be uh, lived securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our Righteousness. Therefore, behold, the, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they will no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought the son of Israel up from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the household of Israel back from the north, from the north land, and from all the countries where I have driven them. Then 
they will live on their own soil. But then he has a word for a word for the prophets. He says, As for the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I have become like a drunken man, and like a man overcome by wine, because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers. For the land mourns because of the curse. The pastures of the of the wilderness have dried up, and their course is evil, and their might is not right. For both prophet and priest are defiled. Even in my house I have found their wickedness, declares the Lord. Therefore their way will be like slippery paths to them. They will be driven away into the gloom and fall down in it. For I will bring disaster upon them the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. Moreover, among the prophets of Samaria, I saw an offensive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. Also among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing, the committing of adultery and walking in deceit. And they strengthen the hands of evildoers. They strengthen the hands of evildoers. Look, one of the outflows of, 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 of not living holy before the Lord and serving as a pastor, serving as a leader, you strengthen the hands of evildoers. It says they, they strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. No one is repenting because you strengthen the hands of the evildoers. They're like, why? These people are doing what we're doing. There's no conviction there. Why has the church become a laughing stock? Why is it easy for jokes to be made about the church and the people of God? Why is it always why is it funny? Why is it why why is there no esteem there? I, I remember being a kid and there was there was a lot more esteem for the house of God and for the church and for pastors. It's not so anymore. Why is that? Well, I think we brought that on ourselves by acting wickedly. By letting uh, the culture dictate what's to be done within the church. And so now, no one's want to turn from their wicked ways. They're like, why? You're just as wicked as we are. Strengthening the hand of evildoers. It's, we have to evaluate ourselves. We have to take a self-evaluation. Are we strengthening the hands of evildoers? Because we have allowed what this culture says is, is good and, and, and pleasurable to be done in, in the church. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become to me like Sodom and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. Look, these things are, are serious. And just as the word of the Lord from the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel went out to the shepherds and the priests and the prophets in Judah, the same thing has to be done today in America. There has to be an evaluation. Where are we? Where do we fall? Are we lining up with what God's word says? Or are we strengthening the hands of evildoers, causing men and women to blaspheme because of our actions? When people see what's going on in SBC and other places, they're looking at this like, man, these people are just like us. Why should I repent? Why should I? And it's an excuse that we're giving them. This is Aaron Addison's here 
We'll be back right after this. Don't get distracted by this earth, this place that we live for a small amount of time. These things we think we can take with us when we die, they don't last. Keep your eyes on the prize, man. We looking around, but we gotta stay focused. This life about a moment, I don't wanna let it pass, I wanna own it. Look in the grass, you see the opponent? He wanna see you in chains, he wanna see you in the flame. But you're gonna be with the saints, you gotta go through all the pain. You're living it now, but the die is a gain. I think about heaven a lot, and I'm gonna do it for God. Now when I'm not throwing the talent, I'm giving it all that I got. Look, I hope to see you in paradise. This ain't a game, ain't a paradise. I don't really care to be verified. I'm aware the light is what you bear inside. Put your faith in the Father. Forget the world and don't bother. You think it's hot, but hell's hotter. You die for one drip of water. You don't want to be the rich man. You blinking, you sinking in quicksand. If you're reaching up, God got a big hand. Surrender to him and his big plan. Falling on harder times, we wide awake with sober minds. We gotta look for peace within through all the evil we witness in. Material world is all a facade. The way that we care, we give it to God. Yeah, just give it to God. This world will leave you blinded. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Wednesdays with Will, and that's uh, Tyson James with Give It to God. Give it to God. Um. So at this point, what I want to do, I want to share some headlines, because as I said before, from that scripture uh, in Isaiah, it says, uh, where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the, the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts and raw wounds, not pressed or out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. But there's some, some headlines just to give you a perspective. And this is not like, because I, I want to show that this is um, uh, goes beyond a denomination. This is happening within the body of Christ on different levels. So one is that there's a New Hampshire pastor who is charged with child pornography possession after five, a five-year investigation. It says a New Hampshire pastor has been charged with multiple counts of possessing child pornography after a five-year investigation, according to court documents. Uh, the Nashua police arrested uh, Stephen Bates, 46, on March 15th. The Bible Baptist Church pastor is now facing five counts of possession of child sexual abuse material and is being held on $3,000 cash bail. It says, I, I think this case is particularly concerning because it is uh, a pastor and somebody that's involved in the community here. The Nashua Police, uh, Lieutenant Brian uh, Treffi, uh, told the news. The police department has been investigating Bates since 2016. When the department received 14 tips from the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, alleging that a user at the church had uploaded CASM from an IP address leading back to the church. CASM is child sexual abuse material. So in October 2017, detectives spoke directly to Bates, who's that pastor, and asked if he knew of any potential suspects. And Bates allegedly told authorities that he did not know of any suspects and said the church's doors are typically unlocked. So Pastor Bates was considered a person of interest from that time on, but he wasn't charged, right? So then fast forward, 
In January 2019, Homeland Security Investigations, HSI, in New Hampshire, received a referral uh, from Colorado, which was conducting an online child sexual exploitation investigation. And uh, online accounts on Instagram and the Onion Router, T-O-R, pointed back to the Bible Baptist Church main office. So he said, you know, this is happening over here. So they have another tip. Now let's fast forward again. 2021, a detective began an undercover uh, conversation with a user who was using an account name similar to those police had received in earlier tips. Eventually, one conversation included the sexual exploitation of children. In February 2022, police linked the accounts uh, which were involved in the possession, distribution, and manufacturing of CASM to Bates. So on March 15th, police executed a search warrant and contacted Bates, who gave police two flash drives from his back pocket. The USBs showed various sex, uh, child sex abuse images, according to the affidavit. The whole head is sick. The whole head is sick. And these things are happening, and a lot of it is because there is no real church discipline or accountability. And then we have a Northern Indiana pastor. He stands accused of having sex with a woman uh, for years, starting when she was just a teenager. And this the pastor, uh, this, this story has gone viral, Pastor John Lowe, because he admitted to his congregation in New Life Christian Church and World Outreach on uh, past Sunday that he committed adultery 20 years ago. Directly following his confession, a woman stepped forward to the microphone and accused the pastor of taking her virginity on his office floor when she was 16 years old. So this pastor, he, he really wasn't confessing. He wasn't telling the whole truth. He said some things, but he didn't reveal the whole story. And so this lady came up who's married now and, and, and told the whole story. She was 16. The whole head is sick. The whole head is sick. And then we already talked about well, before we get to that, I want to kind of read to you. This is another denomination. This is the AME Church, right? So we know what was going on, that there was the um, Supreme Court a draft was leaked. And so there's a potential of Roe versus Wade being overturned. And because of the possibility of it being overturned, the AME, which is a historically black uh, denomination, they put out a statement through their health commission. And this is what it said. It said, as the leak of a draft of a Supreme Court decision that would repeal Roe versus Wade sends shockwaves around the country, members of our Zion are still suffering from the aftershock of generations of reproductive injustice already predicated on this community. We are the descendants and the survivors of medical victimization, most prominently in the same states that this change will most negatively affect from the abuse of our bodies as objects of medical experiments on the plantation to the same in medical uh, pavilions today. We bear the scars that have become keloids long before Roe versus Wade. And however, as this threat awakens a sense of urgency for our country, we can no longer remain silent. This is the AME church. Now, I will, I will agree that there have been some things done in the past medically, you know, 
towards black people that have not been right experiments and things like that. But how you take and call reproductive injustice, meaning the right you, you want to have an abortion and say, like, this is a part of something being done that's that's been wrong. That's wrong. You know, that this being taken away is wrong for the church, for black, the black community, that there has to be access to abortion. <laughs> we who have been founded and nurtured at the bosom of social justice cannot drop the ball in the fight for reproductive justice. Now, pause here because abortion affects the black community greatly, killing uh, numbers of our black babies but they're saying no we need to have reproductive justice now they're standing as a quote-unquote black denomination supposed to be standing for what you know would be uh, good for black people but killing our babies killing our, our babies we don't see that as being something that would be harmful and hurtful for the the black community and it says, whether you agree or not, this fight demands our attention. Historically, black women have silently borne the generation's long ripple effect of disproportionate adverse health outcomes and continue to find sanctuary, succor, and hope in the black church. Okay. Once again, they have some truth in, in some of the things that they're saying. But you're going to fight for abortion. It says, we show up in worship. Uh, with in, uh, laden with inequities, silently suffering and praise. When we pray, we lift up uh, to our creator that even today we are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth despite our age at pregnancy, socioeconomic status, or academic achievements. And we are also more likely to suffer from a Mississippi appendectomy than our white counterparts. We are more likely to suffer the consequences into our senior years of those inequities predicated upon our bodies during our reproductive years. So saying because of this, we need to have abortion. It says when we pray, we surrender to our God that more than 40 percent of black women experience intimate partner violence compared to 31.5 percent of all women, according to a 2017 report and the status of black women in the United States before the pen makes a complete and final stroke to that document, black women are already in a reproductive health crisis. Black women are forced to fight against numerous medical barriers stemming from racial bias and rarely that rarely affect their white counterparts. And as such, we need to rise from our needs armed with the power of the Holy Spirit to make a change. Wow. To make a change so that, that we can have abortion. So the change that they want to fight for is their right, that they would say, to kill the baby. All right. Every day we seek health care in a system that continues to see us as the least and the less. And we entrust our care to a system in which we are underrepresented and implicit and implicit bias and unsubstantiated truths still exist. According to the Association of American Medical Colleagues, in colleges, we receive care from an institution where 5% of physicians identified themselves as African-American in 2018. The African-American female physician is an even rarer sight at, at less than 3%. Strong, 
structural racism and implicit bias continue to appear in the exam room with great frequency. So they're saying because of all of this, we need to maintain our right to have an abortion to kill babies. Reproductive justice links reproductive rights with social justice and social, political, and economic inequalities that affect a woman's access to reproductive health care services. Core components of reproductive justice include equal access to safe abortion. Safe abortion? Safe for who? Affordable contraceptives. Comprehensive sex education. Y'all want that? And freedom from... Now, this is the uh, Christian denomination. I just want to remind. And freedom from sexual violence. The legacy of medical experimentation and inadequate health care coupled with social determinants has exacerbated African-American women's complex relationship with health care systems. And in addition, the social determinants of health associated with institutionalized and interpersonal racism, including poverty, unemployment, and residential segregation may make African-American women more vulnerable to uh, disparate sexual and reproductive health outcomes. We cannot remain silent. And then it goes on to say, my fellow sisters and brothers of the great Zion, <laughs> we are called to be the hands and feet of our God on the earth. We are called to exemplify faith and works, to speak uh, for the poor and for the oppressed, even if that person is me. We can no longer remain silent. When the money changers are in our temple, we must stand up and overthrow the powers of oppression. We must empower our membership through education about their health and health care issues. We must encourage healthcare advocacy from the sanctuary to the Senate. And we must remove the shame surrounding reproductive issues by discussing them in the Bible studies. Wow. By discussing them in Bible studies and preaching about them in the pulpit. We must pray up, then stand up and speak up. The state of our Zion depends upon it. There was no talk at all about the reasons people are having abortions. These women are. A lot of it has to do with they just don't want the baby. I can't take care of a baby. So why not as a church preach against having sex outside of marriage? Why not preach that? Why not make a firm stand and say, hey, we're going to preach the word of God so that these abortions may cease. No, they want they're, they're alarmed by this leak and they're like, man, we got to do something. We got to stand up. We got to speak up. You're going you, to talk about this in your Bible studies? And you're not going to talk about how this happens? How to avoid even the pregnancies? Man, the whole head is sick. We talked about the, the Josh uh, Duggar situation. And I won't get back into that. And I also had some stats that I talked about before about pornography. Christian men are frequently watching pornography. That's a big problem. What are we watching? What are we thinking on? All this stuff, we need accountability. We need church discipline. Because the whole head is sick. The stuff that we see happen now is a manifestation of what's going on, has been going on because there have been no discipleship, no
AME, once you preach the Bible, preach the word of God, and then these issues won't be such big issues. This is Aaron Addison. We'll be back tomorrow. But until then, God bless. <laughs>